The views and opinions expressed by various contributors to 98.5 CKWR and its radio programs are their own and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of 98.5 CKWR Wired World, Inc., its broadcasters, staff, or volunteers. Listeners are urged to use their own discernment and draw their own conclusions. Good morning, my name is Rob Daniels and welcome to Visions and Sound. Now for those that may be joining me for the very first time, Visions and Sound is a movie, TV, and video game soundtrack program that I produce each and every week right here on 98.5 CKWR. Well here we are, show number 14 of 2023 and show number 1172 if you're keeping track that way. Welcome to 80s Month, as this week we continue with a look at the Dead Zone and its 40th anniversary. Now, writer Stephen King would see many of his novels hit the big screen, uh, many of the more well-known showing up in the 80s and 90s. However, after the success of 1976's Carrie and 1980's The Shining, next up was The Dead Zone. Now, this is directed by David Cronenberg. The screenplay is based on the 1979 novel by King. The film stars Christopher Walken, Brooke Adams, Tom Skerritt, Herbert Lom, Martin Sheen, Anthony Zerbe, and Colleen Durst. Duhurst. Playing, or sorry, Walken plays schoolteacher Johnny Smith, who awakens from a coma to find he has psychic powers. In the novel, the phrase dead zone refers to part of Johnny Smith's brain that is irreparably damaged, resulting from his dormant psychic potential awakening. When some information in Johnny's vision is beyond his perception, he considers that information as existing in the dead zone. In the film adaptation, the phrase dead zone is part of his psychic vision that is missing, a blank area that he cannot see. This dead zone refers to an outcome that has not been yet determined, meaning Johnny can change the future. Well, joining me this week on the show is my co-host, all the way from Ramsgate, England. Welcome back to the show, Jason. It, good morning. Good, good morning. morning. Good, good to be back again. It's fantastic to have you back. How are things going over in the UK this day? 
it's dark. It's dark. It's five a.m. <laughs> and it's dark. That's what it is. That's what's going on at the moment. Not not a lot. Yes, but uh, we, 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 we're managing through. Getting getting through. I've woken up, so that's that's the main thing. There so you go. <laughs> Just get you some coffee or whatever, or some tea in your case, I guess perhaps. Yes, I've already had two already. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Well, I'm going to continue on. We'll get back to you in just a second there, Jason. Now, shooting started early in January of 1983 and took place in the greater Toronto area and the regional municipality of Niagara of Cronenberg's native Ontario, which is actually in our own backyard where the studios are. The so-called Screaming Tunnel, located in nearby Niagara Falls, Ontario, was also used as the backdrop for one scene. The gazebo was built by the film crew and donated to Niagara on the Lake. Now, according to Cronenberg, the Dead Zone was filmed uh, during a relentless deep freeze, and you can tell in uh, in some of the scenes, and this was done in, in southern Ontario, which lasted for weeks, creating authentic atmosphere of sub-zero temperatures and icy, snow-packed terrain, which made for great natural shooting locations. Now, despite it being almost too cold for the cast and crew to tolerate at times. Also, interestingly enough, and I don't know if Jason's aware of this uh, of this uh, attraction, Canada's Wonderland, a virtually brand new theme park at the time, was also used as a filming location. Uh, this film was, to date, the only one of three times that David Cronenberg's film was not scored by Howard Shore. This was due to studio politics in which Paramount wanted a more familiar composer to write the, f- the music for the film. Now, Michael Kamen, who had written the music for the film Venom, not to be confused with the more recent Venom, for the studio was chosen instead. Now, The Dead Zone was my first exposure to Christopher Walken. I was too young in 1983 to see the film in theaters. I did end up seeing the film on pay TV. I remember the very first time I saw the trailer for The Dead Zone, it was basically the scene where we where we first he first has his first vision with the nurse, you know, and it's, you know, the house is burning. Hurry up! Kind of thing. That was my first kind of exposure. I had to see this movie. Now I do remember it being on one of one of my very first major thriller type films that I ever saw. The Dead Zone also had a fantastic score by the then virtually unknown composer Michael Kamen. Jason, I have watched the film as recently as like a couple of hours ago. So I'm, it's fresh in my mind. Now, when did you first see The Dead Zone? I first saw The Dead Zone on a video. I think it was a, one of the, a shop around the corner of where I used, where lived at the time had a video section and we took we hired out hired it out and I watched it and I think the name Michael Kamen even then I was drawn to and I was curious to hear this Michael Kamen. When I heard the music I thought, wow, who, who is this guy? <laughs> it is it is a sensational score. And I think that's that's one of the things that I took out of the film when it's first shoot. I wanted to hear the score again and again. Mm-hmm. Also of course it is the only David Cronenberg film I think I'd be able to watch because it's not, it's a very unusual film for Cronenberg. It's not exactly one of his normal body horror films. Exactly. It's, far, it's no. a far more, far more mainstream film for all, all the other stuff he, he's, he's done in the past. Yes. And that's one, that's one of the good things about it. I, 
the standout performance, of course, is Christopher Walken. Of course. It's absolutely superb. It's one of, I think it's still one of his best performances. I love Herbert Lom. Anything of Herbert Lom in, I absolutely adore because yep. he's done some great stuff in, in British cinema, The Lady Killers, yep. Dreyfus uh, in the Pink Panther films. And he's got a very good supporting cast as well. He, even though Martin Sheen appears towards the end of the film, his, his performance is so important in the film. He need a good actor. Because it kind of like he's trumpeted this guy's going to turn up eventually in this film throughout it. Yeah. And it's and it's just like they had to have somebody there who really could sell this this this, this character. Yeah. And picking Martin Sheen was absolutely perfect for the role. Yeah. Really, really good. So it's a it's a wonderful ensemble cast. I feel sometimes looking. I saw the film again for the for the first time in a long time a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago. Oh, it's on YouTube, but it had it had Spanish subtitles, but that. That's irrelevant, really. But you can see you can see the film, and looking at it now, considering what it's like, what the, the situation of the world today and the politics of the world today, it's very, very relevant. Mm-hmm. It's somebody like this Greg Stinson character. It reminded me of a certain person <laughs> who will remain who, nameless on this who show. Who will remain nameless on the, on this show? But so his has a you know has had a relevance today in some in some respects, but. Of course, the standout thing to me is all is I like films which have the composer like breaks through. So the break, it's, it's, it's you see in like James Horner's breakthrough score was Star Trek Two. Yes, and Sylvester's was Back to the Future. This was the breakthrough score of Michael Kamen. Yeah, and it's the you know after that when you heard that this guy could you really just look forward to his next next piece of work. What's he gonna score next? And it's such an appeal to score in Cayman's career because I think at the time he was still probably more known as a person involved in, in the pop world, particularly with not well in the contemporary music world with uh, Pink Floyd. I was gonna say a lot, yeah. a lot, a lot of other bands. This is the one I think that really turned him in the directions of composing film scores. And it is such a pivotal score in that respect and it's such a what it's so, it really does drive the story so well, and even even now listening to the score again, I away from the film, it's it really does stand out as a pivotal work in Cameron's career. Incidentally, I absolutely I think I was a, I when I was a member of the Jimmy Goldsmith Society or I think music for the movies, I actually won a CD. Of the Dead Zone in a competition. Nice. Even though, even though I already had it already, <laughs> so, I had, so at one point I had two two copies of the Dead Zone. I think I I, I uh, got rid of one of them. Probably kind of two of the same same disc at the time. But so so I, I, so it's, it's a CD. I even one as well as um, bought myself. So it is a, it's a terrific score and it's such it's, a, it's such a pivotal score in so many ways in the career of one of. Trying to be one of the greatest, one of the nice, great composers of the uh, late twentieth century, Michael Kamen. For sure. Now, the thing for me, I remember, I remember seeing the name Michael Kamen, and like, I mean, I was like I said, probably sixteen, seventeen years old when I saw the film. So I was just getting into my collect, into my my soundtrack collecting and that sort of thing. Um, I was, I would watch, I watched the film um, with my parents when I was living at home. And they were the one that they uh, and my mom would often say to me, "You are the one that made me aware of watching credits and watching names and watching certain things." So when the name Michael Kamen came up, it was a, it was a first of all, it was the most unusual thing because it was the first time I'd ever heard of him. 
Um, I never really, there was, like I said, there was nothing before that I knew of. And so there's, it's, it's really cool to be able to, as you said, hear that first breakthrough score and that 10 note, um, motive on, I think it's, believe it's an oboe. Yes. On sometimes it, it is. Came and started playing the oboe. That was his break. That was his entry into music was the oboe. Exactly. Well, it just had that at times it was poignant, but at times it was heartbreaking. And watching this film, um, the last, the last time, I actually, I actually got emotionally affected by the ending. And we'll discuss the ending a little later on. Mm. We won't, we won't spoil it right off the bat because uh, if you if you haven't seen the film, go out and see it. It is definitely worth seeing for, if nothing else, just the the wonderful performance by uh, by Christopher Walken, and. Like I said, first time I'd ever seen him. I'd never even heard of like the deer hunter or anything like that. This was my first exposure to him. And it was just, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing to be able to, uh, first of all, catch him at a very young age. I mean, probably not very old in that film. It was, like I said, 1983. So I'm thinking. I think he's 40 because I think he turned 80 this year with a belief. Wow. That's incredible. So in any case, the score itself, um, I remember looking for it for ages, thinking of thinking, why, why, why isn't this been released? Why hasn't this been released? 1994 was the 10, 11 years after the film came out. This was released by Milan Records. So that is the release that we're going to hear today. This is a fantastic score by the very early on, very early days of Michael Kamen. So I'm going to start this. Have a listen for yourself. But... I will be back and we'll talk a little bit more about the film and the music of Michael Kamen of as we celebrate the 40th anniversary of The Dead Zone.
with a little bit of music from the 1983 film The Dead Zone. That's music by Michael Kamen as we are celebrating the 40th anniversary of said film. So if you are interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on the show, by all means, you can contact me at, of course, visionsinsound at gmail.com. You try me online at facebook.com slash visionsinsound. I am on the Twitter at Visions Sound. You can also try me on my website, visionsinsound.ca. I have to apologize about the website. I just discovered something recently that a lot of the older files of my shows from like 2000 to about maybe 2008, 2009, they're not functioning. So I apologize for that. I will be rectifying that sometime in the next uh, the next couple of weeks to try and get that all back up and running. So you can actually hear the show kind of evolve from its early days in 2000 up to the more recent films. Now the most the more recent the more recent shows are still there. 
they are listenable. So, but yeah, I just discovered the other the other day. Hey, wait a minute, they're not playing properly. So, like I said, we are here celebrating the 40th anniversary of the of the film The Dead Zone, and I'm glad to have Jason Drury with me this week. Thank you, Jason, for being here on the show. We uh, I personally love this film. I cannot say enough good things about it. Um, I have to admit, though, when I was watching it today, something jumped out at me. The, the opening, or not the opening, but the, the, it seemed a little clunky to me, a little bit more clunkier than I, I originally remember it. The whole scene on the roller coaster, that was kind of hand waved away as what was, what was that all about? You know, it, it, it's clear in the series as to how he gets his, his psychic powers or where that comes from. But it was, it was kind of very, I won't, I won't say it was badly done, but it was very ham-fisted maybe in those. It, 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 it seemed to me that that scene showed that it was, you had something there even before the accident and it was the accident that triggered it. Yeah. So he was already getting some sort of like visions or headaches. So he was something was wrong there from the beginning, mm-hmm. and it only came out when he had the had the crash and suddenly he had this long good coma and the second sight, he started to develop a lot more. Exactly. So that, that's that's how I, as I saw it because from the from the beginning you think he's you know he's a teacher well, yeah. you know, and yeah and he's 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 got his his, his love he's, he's going to marry marry Brooke Adams when suddenly already you see. When he's on the roller coaster, something is not right. Not right. I mean, there is there is the implication that there is something not right, but I just thought there was it wasn't clear enough mm. to say this is you know he he'll get flashes of insight after he gets into an accident and wakes up from his coma. For me, it was just it was just like oh, I'm having dizzy spells on the yeah. on on the on the roller coaster. So, like I said, um, there are a couple of scenes that are iconic for at least for me in this film. And the first one has to be, cause it was the very first scene that I actually saw before I even saw the film. They showed a trailer on the, uh, what would have been first choice super channel at that time here in Canada, pay TV. And when I saw it, it was the scene, like I said, with, with him in the house, you see him, you see him lying on the bed, seeing the, seeing yeah. the house. He grabs the, the nurse's hand you know the house is burning your daughter's screaming you know and 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 for me that was a very huge scene and it 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 was so well done yes uh i'm not sure if you're aware of this jason but uh the way they got a convincing wince from uh walken was the fact that cronenberg would fire a pistol Yes. With blanks on the read, set at random times. I read that, yes. <laughs> and while that was, yeah, that was, and you get those convincing, I, I, it was the same technique that I think they used for, uh, it was used in The Exorcist. I, I, I think uh, Friedkin did the same thing. But I, when I read that, it was like to get those convincing winces it was the random firing i think just i'm just imagining <laughs> listening to the listening to the dailies and hearing bang bang there's a health and safety element there but we won't we'll go into but uh, <laughs> well things were different it, 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 it seemed to do the trick <laughs> things were different in 83 
In any case, there's um, a, a lot of well, one of the major moral um, questions that is brought up. And I don't know. Do we spoil a 40 year old film? If you well, haven't seen it by well, now, seen, if you haven't seen it by now, what's, uh, well, you're not going to see it. Really. <laughs> it's, but it's well, such a, I mean, we have people in the gallery that may uh, that may want to close their ears for a couple of minutes if they if they don't want to know what the film it, what we're going to be talking about. But there uh, is it, if you don't want to know, know the result, look away now. <laughs> exactly. Well, the thing is, is that uh, it's the scene the, the scene with with uh, first of all, again, my first exposure to Martin Sheen. Yes, I, it was the first time I'd ever seen him, and he was uh, just I I had already seen him. I think even in I think it was like thirteen when I saw the movie. Yeah, actually, Dead Zone. Well, I remember seeing him. I think even then he already played a president. I know he's well, no, well known for being a president in the West Wing, but I think he also not, sorry. he also played John F. Kennedy in, in a bio, in a uh, miniseries. Yeah. Was he so, not? Was he not in the Final Countdown as well? Yes, that was nineteen eighty. So he's in the Final Countdown. So he's, and also, of course, his his iconic role in Apocalypse Now is in nineteen seventy nine. So yes. he's a, he was a well well renowned actor. Yeah, but it kind of been the first time first time I'd seen him, and he just played the. The off the hinge president in just a his his delivery of the missiles are flying, gentlemen. The missiles are flying. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. It's just oh. in my opinion, it's just is is incredible. It's, it's chilling. It's very chilling. It's chilling. And it's then his, you know, he threatens to cut off the general's hand if he doesn't yes. put it on the scanner. It's yeah. It was a, it, that scene in particular. I mean, it's full of really good performances by mm. pretty much all the actors. There's it's a, great, it's a good ensemble cast. It's I, very, I, very. All of them do do a great job in this film, and it's why it's such such a well loved movie for people who've, who've enjoyed and watched and seen it. Mm-hmm. Now, I had seen Tom Skerritt before, and of course, in Alien. Yes, but this was he was he played it the 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 role of of the sheriff changes in the series. For those that maybe it may be familiar with the series more than the actual movie itself, because the series ran for what five five six seasons, mm. and so yeah, it's it's a it's it's one of those things they they played with the story a little bit and it made it a little more interesting instead of just having it in the. The you know the hour and the almost the two hour the, the almost two hour film so it's a lot of it was a lot of a lot more of course you have to condense things down for a two hour film something you can explore more in the series but yeah you're right about the ensemble cast now we have to mention of course Herbert Long and uh, one of the things about that is his delivery of a specific line in the film where yes. where it brings up the whole moral dilemma and where we have to say. And it's it's a question that it's a philosophical question that has come up quite a bit. If you could go back in time, if you knew that, if you if you went back, would you kill Hitler? And his delivery of the line, um, you know, as, in the film. as a doctor, I have to say, I, I have well, I'm paraphrasing, of course. As a doctor, I am you know I'm supposed to save lives i'm supposed to be really good with people so i would have no choice but to murder the son of a bitch and to me that is just just his delivery alone and he's a very i don't know i just i watching it today or watching it earlier earlier yesterday was refreshing Hmm. to see 
a, to see a film that ha, a, a film that has really good performances in it, not necessarily relying on jump scares, but of course, yeah. you know, I mean, <laughs> the cast were getting the jump scares. They were the yes. ones that were getting yes. the Cronenberg uh, firing the gun with the blanks. In any case, um, but yeah, it, to me, it's just one of those one of those films that. Uh, 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 the, the, the other pivotal scene for me is when he's they're chasing Dodds and in the yes. house, and he touches the mother, and he says, "You knew, you knew, you that, knew." That is so good as well. That is a great. It's a such a good scene. Yeah, it's it's a really good scene. I mean, despite what we, what like, I mean, that's that scene, and we discuss this off air. Is the the one scene where. Cronenberg gets his body horror um, yes. moment. And I think, as I said to you, I think looking back, I think that scene was cut in the UK to give the film a 15 certificate. If it had stayed in, it would have been an 18. So that's, I think, like 10, 13 seconds of, of, the, of that film, of the film, using that, that sequence. I think all, all we saw was uh, the reaction of Skerritt when he goes in and sees, the, sees Dodds. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's all well, you don't see you, you, you don't, don't you don't see the aftermath what he does with the scissors. Yeah, you don't he, see the twitch either, which is no, kind, of a, twitch. kind yeah. of a kind of a creepy little moment in there as yes. well. Yeah, but yeah, um, so for me, for me, this this watching the, again watching the film this afternoon, there's a scene that I had completely forgotten about, but it's very pivotal to the film and his 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 rise to fame, or Johnny Smith, which by the way, um. Cronenberg actually called that into question, if I'm not mistaken. He said, why would you name your main character John Smith? Because it's such a generic name. And I can't remember what King's response was, but it just it felt like maybe just 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 to kind of make him blend in with everybody else. Every man, an ordinary person, this is somebody who didn't want the abilities he, he got in the end. And that's and then, so John Smith is kind of like a generic name which seems to work exactly now the scene i'm just um, the scene i'm describing is the news conference after the first after the actually after after the the fire a fire where he saves he saves the uh, essentially saves the little girl and it's a it's a scene where and like i said i completely forgotten about this so the thing about it is you see him at the the news conference he challenges the one reporter or actually Kind of the reporter challenges him, says, you know, yes. read my future. And because it's kind of like, you know, he doesn't he doesn't buy it. He doesn't buy the fact that that uh, Johnny Smith, it, it, coincidence, perhaps. But that's the thing about um, he then well, he says mentioning something about the suicide of this of the sister, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Something like that. And the reporter's just not not comfortable with this because it was like, wait a second. And it's. It, to me, it's a very interesting um, look at even like this is before social media. This is before yeah. the whole thing. So even a new a news report from a small town, which I believe is Castle Rock. Yes. Um, which appears in many of uh, Stephen King's novels. Exactly, including his, uh, I believe, this the Haven series as well. Yeah. That's yes. So yeah, the thing the thing about that is is that so like. Later on, we see we have a scene where Johnny Smith's getting all of this mail, and it's all of people who are looking for lost dogs, lost loves, lost lives, and that sort of thing. So it's, I find, as you said, the film is poignant even today. Yes. And I think that's, for me, 
that works a treat when it comes to um, its longevity, which is mm. why after 40 years, I still enjoy it. St- I mean, it's still, it's still a film you could watch. It's still, be, it's still contemporary. And it's so at 40 years, that, that shows how good this film is. Exactly. Well, we're going to go back to more of the music from the, uh, the movie. This is Michael Kamen and doing his, well, continuing on with the music of The Dead Zone. So we'll be back in just a little bit.
And with a little bit of music from the 1983 film The Dead Zone. That's music by Michael Kamen. A fantastic score for a fantastic film. And like I said, I just watched it this afternoon. And uh, uh, I, I have to admit that the film itself ends in just a in in very tragic fashion. Uh, it was funny. I was actually for the for the the last bit of the film. And again, I don't want to ruin it for those that have not seen it. But the 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 scene at the end where well after after I, I like I said I don't want to ruin it for those that haven't seen it yet. But I just. It's it's it, it 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 emotionally affected me. It actually it actually made me cry a little bit, and I was like, I don't remember being as affected about that scene it's, before. It's the scene. I think it's the Herbert Lum speech you mentioned earlier kind of sets up what's going to happen. If you're not seeing the film for the see the film for the first time, you kind of realise you know what's going to happen at the end, and it's and it's only and it's it's always it's always going to end that way. You feel yeah. In, 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 when you see when, when the film goes, it's not it's not it's not going to be a happy ending. It never was going to be a happy ending. And no, and it turns out it turns out in that case that's not not spoiling the film. Try not to spoil it, but <laughs> exactly. Well, in in any case, um, like I said, if it, uh, I'm just going to say this, if you're interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on the show, by all means, you can contact me at, of course, visionsinsound at gmail.com. You can also try me online at facebook.com slash visionsinsound. I am on the Twitter. At Visions Sound, you can also try me on the on my website, visionsinsound.ca. I'm also on Good Pods, which I forgot to mention before. Good Pods and Apple Music, and you can find me um, on a whole bunch of other podcatchers. I love that term that that yeah, uh, yeah. that that Eric Eric mentioned. Eric Woods, who will be on the show next week, and we'll we'll get into that in 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 due time. You you can't escape Rob Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> no one can escape me. No one can escape. So yeah, we're going to move on now to the uh to the well first of all, welcome back to the show. Welcome back to Visions and Sound. This week we are celebrating the 40th anniversary of The Dead Zone. Now, The Dead Zone does not just mean the the 83 film. We're talking about the 2002 to 2007 series as well. And like I said, The Dead Zone eventually became a series that ran between 2002 and 2007. Now, again, using the novel as a base for the series, it continues the story of Johnny Smith. Now, in this case, it expands more on his abilities. And it does some very interesting things with the various abilities. It introduces kind of a uh, more of a maybe a supernatural element to it as well. I haven't seen the entire series. I started watching it and I got about partway through and then I forget what came up and I'd stop watching it. I have the entire series on DVD, but I haven't watched it yet. And it is available, I believe, on one of the streaming services as well. So if you if you get a chance to watch it, even just the first season, you'll get a... Uh, uh, and then go back and watch the movie because the movie is just so good and it, it complements the series I think in the end so Jason have you seen much of the series or unfortunately not I've, I was thinking I remember seeing I think it appeared over here on Sky 1 but I probably didn't have Sky at the time and uh, but uh, I never really wanted to look at the series the, the film was enough for me mm-hmm. and and I've always I've, I've always loved the Dead Zone film I've always it's, 
this, uh, looking at the credits, going through it and researching it, some good people involved in the series. Michael Pyler, if you're a fan of Star Trek Next Generation, right. he's involved he, he's in the film and producing process. So it's a, it has a good promise. And it has a nice, but unfortunately, not giving spoilers away for the series, reading it, it's one of those of, sadly, which series, it doesn't have a proper ending. Yeah. Really, it does, it does infuriate me sometimes. You have a series which don't, end properly this is unfortunately example one of those series that you'll probably go for six seasons to get you get to the points where the some people people do things about to happen and that's it and those are the sort of series i don't i feel disappointed with but like you know you'll, you'll just see the thing about a series you have a beginning and an end and unfortunately sadly due to viewer ratings and numbers watching it unfortunately yeah. the dead zone sadly did not have an ending probably may, probably would have deserved considering he went for like six seasons which is a shame exactly it is a shame after all that time you at least think that they would they would go the route of maybe the uh, um of the uh, the alienation series and maybe we or, do just or, kind or, of a final film for or it. even fringe which did, 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 did like fringe. the final season and did in a, and managed to finish the story off wonderfully so um it's a shame of these series sometimes executives don't realize that if they want a good they want a pro, like a box of a complete series, you could have an ending. Yeah, and I, I think sadly, I think the Dead Zone didn't have that ending, which is, which is a shame. And that's probably why, probably why I would not probably be watching it myself because I like things with an ending. <laughs> exactly. Well, then, and but like I said, for, for what I've seen of the series, it makes me want to watch mm. the. I mean, the thing is. The movie just, it, it, like I said, it encapsulates everything. So this, having the series really not have an ending, I can just kind of say, well, you know, the whole thing with Stilson was the ending kind of thing. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I just, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, so yeah, what I'm going to do is I actually have the uh, a a CD, and I mentioned this to you off air. Now this is a special case, and I've I've been looking around for the other one for a long time. I'm speaking of the actual. Uh, it's called Music from and Inspired by the Hit TV series, The Dead Zone. Now, there is there are two releases of this. And if you can find the other one, definitely hold on to it because it is unique. Because it's very hard to find. So the one that I have is Music from and Inspired by the Hit series. But if you find the one that says Music from Season 1 along the top, that is unique because it actually has score cues on it. It actually has a, a bit of a different, uh, a different lineup and that sort of thing. It still has the, it still has some of the songs off of it, but it has a completely different lineup. So with that in mind, I am going to play a little bit from the, um, this from and inspired by the t- the the hit series, the Dead Zone, and a little bit of a treat. Um, when I, I did an interview with uh, Patrick Caird, who was the composer of the latter seasons of the series. So he was gracious enough to provide me with a, with a, a, a short a short suite of music. Now, Jason, you've had a chance to hear it, so we'll, yep. we'll talk a little bit more yep. about it yep. when we get to it. But first of all, I'm going to play a few, a few snippets of, or a few songs from the series. So I'll be back in just a little bit.
Seems that I 
the things that I have done wrong and wish that I could change. I hear you say it doesn't really matter. Hold on to me, and in the end, you'll see. When all your days go wrong, it's alright. I'll never stop trying. When all your tears have gone, could you?
see you bleed, it's time to make my stand With my fist in hand, I draw my sword Cause this village is damaged like war Oh, you're feeling hardcore, sound of my roar We'll put your ass on the floor, you better lay down, stay down Don't get up, I'll run you down like a semi-truck Hold on, what was that sign I passed? I might be confused, I think I'm going too fast I can't be sure, but if it was the cure I should have paid attention to it just occurred There was a transformation in the population The sky had a pulse from my mind's migration All the rage I gave didn't make a change But now my eyes are open, we're behind in range The fourth, the fifth, the minor fall and the major lift. The baffled king composes Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. 
strong but you needed proof you saw her bathing on the roof of beauty and the moonlight overthrew you and she tied you to her kitchen chair she broke your throne and she cut your hair and from your lips she drew the hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Well, baby, I've been here before. I've seen this room and I've walked this floor. You know I used to live alone before I knew you And I've seen your flag on your marble arch And love is not a victory march It's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah 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 a God above All I've ever learned from love Was how to shoot somebody Who outdrew you And it's not a cry that you hear at night It's not somebody who's seen the light It's a cold and it's a broken Hallelujah Hallelujah Hallelujah, 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 with the Leonard Cohen classic, uh, Hallelujah, actually performed in this case by Anthony Michael Hall, who plays Johnny Smith on the Dead Zone series. So with that, if you are interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on the show, by all means, you can contact me at, of course, visionsinsound at gmail.com. You can also try me online at facebook.com slash visionsinsound. I am on the Twitter at visionsound. You can also try me at my website, visionsinsound.ca. I'm also on Good Pods and Apple Music. Good Pods is a downloadable app on your phone if you cho- choose to do so. And like I said, Apple Music, you can find wherever Apple Music is Apple Music. 
So what I want to do is just a little bit of a introduction. Patrick Caird uh, came onto the series a little bit later on. The music that you're going to be hearing here is actually from the fifth season of the series. So without further ado, before I, before I run out of time, here is some music from the television series The Dead Zone with music by Patrick Caird.
And well, that's all for us this week. Thanks for hanging in those that did. As we continue into 2023, I hope as you're getting on with your day that you realize just how awesome you are. Never let anybody tell you any different. If you're ever not feeling right, there are people out there that care about you and are willing to chat. If not family, then some professional who can help. As Rocky said, nobody hits harder than life. I know from personal experience how hard it is for me to sit behind this mic week after week when I feel like no one's listening. I would never have made it this far without the support of a huge team of people behind me. If you or someone you know is in crisis and needs help, resources are available. In case of an emergency, please call 911 for immediate help, the Canadian Association for Suicide Prevention, Depression Hurts, Kids Help Phone at 1-800-668-6868, 1-844-HERE-247, and here247.ca, all for ways of getting help if you or someone you know may be suffering from mental health issues. Well, Jason, just before we end off, what would you, what do you have coming up on your side of things? Well, recently, the last few days, my first part of my Christopher Young interview dropped on Cinematic Sound, and uh, a lot of people are enjoying that. The second part coming up shortly. Two of, two other interviews are coming soon as well, which are coming completed. Uh, one with, with the composer of Murder Mysteries, which you've had on the show recently, Robert yes. Carley, and uh, the Finnish component, Pano Artio, who's a multi-award-winning composer of documentaries and some, of his, some other scores. Very interesting guy. Also, another also a two-part episode of the archive is finished. So ah, that, 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 that shall be returning soon. That's, that's concentrating on music uh, before and after Christmas this year. So some good stuff on there. So uh, there's a lot of stuff coming from me very soon on the Cinematic Sound Radio Podcast Network, and also I'll be working some other stuff as well later on. Some more goodies for other for you to enjoy coming up in the future. Awesome. Thank you very much, Jason. It's always a pleasure of having you on the show. So join me. Actually, join us, because you'll be back next yes, week, Jason. I'll, next, I'll be back next week. Yes. You can't escape me now. As we continue into <laughs> 80s month with a 40th anniversary celebration of Return of the Jedi. Alan Moffat makes you feel very, very old. <laughs> <laughs> I'll end off this week's show with some more music from The Dead Zone. This in particular is by a an artist named Coco Love Alcorn, and she's performing I'll Be Seeing You from an episode where uh, Johnny actually goes into the into the world, world War II. So, like I said, I'll be back next week with more Visions in Sound. Have Everybody have a good night. Stick around and listen in for In the Mix and uh, The Dark Side with Madame Ravencroft back in. A, we'll talk to you later. Can we do that again?